is in John chapter 12, the first eight verses. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. Now, a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served. Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, This perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold, and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Here we are a week before the triumphal entry. A week, two weeks before Good Friday and Easter. At roughly that time, in Jesus' journey to Jerusalem, he had arrived and was staying at the home of Lazarus in Bethany. Now, the Gospel of Mark fills out the story a little more. There was a dinner thrown in his honor at the house of Simon the leper. Martha was serving, but do you notice this time she wasn't getting on to Mary for knots? Have you ever noticed whenever we realize we've done something excessive or wrong, have you ever noticed we're like a pendulum? Sometimes we go too far one way and then we swing back too far the other. That's a part of the human condition. But Martha had taken, obviously, what Jesus had said to heart. Serving was her gift. She didn't have words of condemnation for Mary. Others did. Lazarus was... Sitting there, eating. He had been raised from the dead. I'm sure he was enjoying a meal. And Mary showed her and possibly her entire family's devotion and gratitude to Christ with an extravagant gift. I want you to think a minute. What's the best gift you've ever received or the greatest gift you've ever given? Maybe think about the value of it. Then I want you to think about what you make or made in a year's time and imagine having that in a bottle and then pouring that out on someone's head, as in Mark, and then also on their feet. 
Can you see pouring out five or six figures worth of your life savings? This was 12 ounces of an exquisite perfume that was imported. This came from the Himalayas, so it was probably imported from India. It was worth 300 denarii, a year's wages for a working stiff, I think they used to say. And a lot of people use that kind of thing as an investment. So it was probably not something she had bought to use for herself. It was quite possibly represented Mary and possibly Mary, Martha, and Lazarus's life savings. I sometimes think of myself as a, a sponge of sometimes questionably useful information. But some things really stick with me after I've listened to a book or read an article. One of the things whenever someone was talking about economics was that whenever you spend something of value, that you're not just losing the value of what you held, you're losing all of the possible options that you could have put that value towards. And that's an interesting concept. So what was the possible uses that they had for this year's worth of wages in perfume form? Was it their pension? Was it in case they fell on hard times, there was unemployment that was affecting them? We can conceptualize both of those. It's hard for us to think in these terms, but maybe that was their hedge against the increasing price of food if there were to be a famine in the land or illness <laughs> or death. In that little 12-ounce jar, there was possibly their only bit of economic security. And it is poured out by Mary upon Jesus. She anoints His head in the Gospel of Mark, we find as implying the anointing of a king before His triumphal entry. She anoints His feet as her Savior and then shows her humility doing something. Now, a woman at that time was not supposed to unbraid her hair, but she let it fall cascade and then she wiped His feet with her hair. Which I've always kind of thought parallel Jesus washing the disciples' feet at the Last Supper. And even though she could not have really known this or conceptualized this, this was the only anointing that Christ would receive before His burial. It was Passover. They didn't have time to do all the ritual and the anointing of the body.
this was something that would have by the deed itself, by the manner in which she did it, by the worth that was poured out, this is something that would have made everyone there gasp. Okay? It would have been something that astounded people. And have you ever noticed that oftentimes when someone does something that is extravagantly loving or or mission mindful or something that is just their heart being expressed, that if it's done in a crowd, you're always going to have one, aren't you? Is always going to say, huh, and try to tarnish it. Oh, that never happens in church, does it? Judas. It says just Judas and John and Mark. It was some. And I can just imagine how that went. Judas said something. And maybe some of the other disciples who were thinking it, or the other people watching who were thinking it, but weren't going to say it because their jaws were still on the floor, went, yeah, yeah. That woman's crazy. Look what she just did. And Judas knew exactly how to put it in persuasive, religious, pious language. Do you notice that? He knew exactly how to put it in something that would cloak it in piety. Well, this money should have been, this perfume should have been sold and given to the poor, not wasted like This, of course, he was dipping into the tin. Considering Judas Iscariot, that at the time we know that there was a group called the Scari who were revolutionaries and were told they always had to have three knives on their their person when it was time to stab the Roman standing next to them. And if Judas Iscariot, if that was somehow linked to that group, which I'm probably mispronouncing, I can imagine there would have been pious uses he no doubt would have put the money to. He would have probably rationalized it to himself. The theft the use of it. Oh boy, this could make things so much easier for me and maybe even for the revolution. And then Jesus says something that I think might have been taken out of context because we know Jesus' heart for the poor. Honestly, He had a heart for everyone who already experienced an awareness that they were broken. just, Just read back through the Scripture. The people who said, oh, I'm fine, I'm good to go, I don't have any problems, I am holy, I am righteous, I am one of the best. Those were the ones he was verbally and sometimes physically trying to snap out of it. But it was the ones who knew, who came up to him saying, Lord, I'm not worth it, just have mercy on me. Those were the ones that he loved immediately. And we know he had a heart for the poor people, but for some reason he said, look, leave her alone. 
the second time he defended her that we know of. She is doing this for me. And no doubt knowing Judas's heart, yes, they will always be with you, but I am just with you for now. This is something extraordinary that she has done that my father called her to do. What Mary did was astounding. It was beautiful. And when I look at that and reflect upon that, and then I think about my life, I, it makes me feel just a little cheap. <laughs> I don't think I would have the intestinal fortitude to take the pension that I've been trying to accumulate over the years and anoint someone with it. But see, here's the thing. And here's how I think that this act of extravagant love and something that we would all go, I don't know if I could ever do that, can connect with each and every one of us. God does not call everyone to the same action. God does not call everyone to the same action. This was something that Mary had to have been called to do. And not every person has every calling. But I just have to believe that if we stay in love with Jesus, that we will find that there is a calling on our life and we'll find that we might even wind up doing something that others say, wow, man, that's crazy. I can never do that. I don't know if we heard I can never do that, but I know before we went to China, we had a few crazy comments. I once heard someone, pardon me if I step out of the outline just for a moment. I believe it was Walter Martin who set the stage, but C.S. Lewis provided the ending. In the question about free will and predestination, I think Lewis said that whenever he converted to Christ, whenever he was saved, as we put it, that he knew that he made a choice, but he honestly felt like he couldn't have chosen otherwise. And it was kind of a mystery to him. And he said that's as close as he can come to understanding it. So whether it's finding a child with a forever home, whether it's going halfway around the world and probably back again to do translations in countries that are very unfamiliar, whether it's giving a part of your life in lay ministry and service, whether it's learning how to do how to use a chain. By the way, you want a gift that's not mine? Don't ever ask me to get trained in chainsaw use. Or at the very least, don't stand next to me while I'm trying to learn. 
word to the wise. But I believe there's some chainsaw training for those who feel called to be first responders or second responders in disaster areas through the United Methodist Committee on Relief that's being offered this month. That's not my calling. I'd be scared to death of trying to do that. Jackie came by this week. Royce had brought a ladder. Jackie climbed it, took all the stuff down, put up the uh, the the one that y'all have on loan to us, and we're going to get get one to replace it. But until then, we'll be using that one. And she had typed in, to, sent me a text. You know, if if something else needs doing, call me. I'll drop back by. It needed to be moved that much on the screen. Okay? Lori would have had a blast. And you know, I think these cameras record and save it. So here I was. Okay, breathe, Michael. Breathe. Going up the ladder. Hold it on. Okay. And then take it a step down. And every time I'd step down, the leg would shake and the ladder would shake. And. And some of y'all are thinking, what a wuss of a preacher. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, not my calling. <laughs> but you know something? I will, um, anytime you want to come up here and lead a worship service or, and, or take Kimmy home with you after the service, I'll be, I'll be glad to call, climb up a ladder and let y'all photograph me. So he calls us to different things. We need, and by the way, if you're wondering, well, what is it he's calling me to? Look for those things that you know that you're choosing to do it, but it honestly feels so peaceful and like just so unquestionable, you don't know if you could have honestly done otherwise. That might be a signal. Because when we find that we are called we find that answering His specific call upon our lives leaves our hearts at peace and our souls filled with joy. And that is a wonderful place to be. Dear Lord, let it be for us this week. Amen.